1: G'day and welcome to the Farm Spice Podcast, where we talk everything agribusiness. I'm your host, Jack Creswell, and this week we're speaking with Martin Clark from Probreed. We're diving in to the sheep industry to discuss what drives his enterprise and how he approaches doing business by looking with a clearer mind to drive success through data-driven decisions. It's excellent to have our first podcast talking sheep. Let's get into it. G'day, Martin. How are you going?
2: Good, thanks. Great to see you, Jack.
1: Excellent to have you on the show. Um, I've seen your work previously and it looks excellent. Um, and it's just good to dive in just to see what you're getting up to and how we can sh- help other breeds do some similar things with their own studs and um, implement different elements. So can you just give us a bit of a background of like your experience in farming and in the sheep Yeah, bond?
2: yeah well, uh- I was brought up in country Victoria in a place called Swan Hill. All my relations um, were farmers. My uh, grandfather was a farmer. I was the eldest grandson, so I was spent all my time. i got three sisters and three siblings. Um, so being the eldest, I spent a lot of time on, on the farm when I was young. Always wanted to be a farmer. Um, 16, I went away to be a carpenter in Melbourne or in Geelong for a start. Then I moved on to Melbourne and I'm still a builder and carpenter in Melbourne. and The passion of farming's never left me. We bought the first farm in 1998 and we've now got uh four and we leased one, so uh, we never left that. And um, yeah, so when I was a kid growing up, I spent all my time on the farm.
1: Yeah, excellent. So you're full time on the farm now? Left
2: the no, down? actually, I, I'm the well, I'm the owner, but I do the strategy. I've got a great team down there. Um, you know, Josh Walter's my manager. He runs the stud. Um, I do the strategy and, and the big picture stuff, and he does the day-to-day stuff. And uh, we have some really robust debates at time, which is really good because um, we're, the direction we're taking and what we're doing, And at the end of the day, it's all about getting good answers and good results. And uh, the team is... is over time we've built up is really, really good. And even with the pro-breed team, which the marketing and the sales side and our geneticists, we think we've got the best you can get. So we're going to make some big gains. We've already made some big gains where we come from. So yeah. um, how, how, how these sheep all started, um, basically uh, we were striving to do better. We had an outdoor piggery. Um, we're tied up with the Otway pork brand and um, we couldn't, understand why the sheep industry doesn't use the same amount of science and the same KPIs and everything that the pig industry um, it's really really further advanced than what the sheep industry was this is in around about 2009 2010 we were, we were, we were breeding crossbred sheep um, on a um nine month cycle at this stage trialing different things and trying to get the best out of genetics when we were approached by a company called Risington Breed Lines in New Zealand and um, would we like to try some of their genetics so uh, Josh went over there and had a look and we imported 20 rams as a trial and yep. um, cut a short story cut to, a, um, to the chase in 2013 and in 2014, we um, we signed an agreement and we did about 3,500 embryo transfers to bring the Highlander and the Primera Genetics to Australia. Um, since then, we were the what they call a breeding partner with a company called Focus Genetics. Focus Genetics was a company that was formed at the time of us doing the negotiations between Landcorp, which is the New Zealand government-based farming business, and Risington Breed Lines. And um, we went through five years with them, uh, a little bit of a rocky road. In the end, we agreed to part ways. Our integrity and our values didn't really align. And um, that's when uh, we decided we'd do it all ourselves with Probreed. We've still got these sheep. We weren't happy with the direction. Some of them were going and the system was being used. We've gone and got the best team we can to go forward. Um, And uh, that's launched the Probreed brand. And we're breeding these rams and these sheep, which are highly productive um, for Australian conditions. Um, And, you know, we're up and running. So officially we started 2019 with Probreed. And we have three breeds. We have the Highlander, which is a highly productive, fertile um, sheep. It's a moderate u weight of about 65 kilos. Um, and just to give you a little bit of facts about it, this year our commercial benchmarking flock, which is about 300 ewes, we scanned at 224. We are due to landmark next week, actually. If we've got our losses down to 10%, and it's a very touching go um, we'll, we'll hit 200% lambing. Otherwise Excellent. we'll be uh, in the high one nineties that's with uh, lots of, lots of twins and a few triplets and uh, good management. And uh, that's the capabilities of these genetics. We have the Primera, which is a terminal Ram, which um, all the growth factors and high mediating quality and all that's involved with that. And then two years ago, or three years ago, I think we started, we did some AI and we started mucking around with a Highlander and uh, a Merino fine Merino and we've, we're into the third year of that. That's called the Highlander Plus. Um, and it's progressing extremely well. There's a big demand. We haven't released it to the market as yet, but the, we're planning to have sheep that'll wean 180% to 185% with a micron of 22 to 23. Um, is where we're heading with that. So it'll almost be like a composite merino. Um, and uh, there's a big demand with the, the way the wool market and the, the sheep industry in Australia is going. So we believe we have got the, uh, the best team and the best genetics to move forward and make a big difference in the Australian uh, sheep meat and maybe in that middle range micron uh, wool as things progress.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, it's really positive to hear that you've got, Two minds coming together. You may have your challenges sorting some stuff out, but not all studs sort of look that way. Um, we're all thinking for ourselves. So it's good that you can do that with your manager and your team that you've got there.
2: Yeah, we think um, we've got a great team and we, we're lucky enough that we, we've we got no baggage, so to speak. We've got no emotion about it. We have basically had a clean piece of paper and... Um, with the exit from Focus Genetics to doing it ourselves, we've actually stepped up a gear. You know, we went into sex semen last year with AI as well, um, 29 single mating paddocks, individual selecting rams for small groups to use. Um, across farm, including hoggets and everything else last year, our average uh, scanning rate was 193. So, um, and that that's across everything, and we we have two hundred stud merinos that we're using in the the um, the Highlander Plus program, and we actually had a ram in there that uh, we can laugh about it, but we think he might have been a little bit racist because uh, obviously the Highlander ram didn't like the merinos, and uh, we only he was down thirty eight percent on conception, which yeah, right. shouldn't happen. <laughs> so there was obviously that faulty ram, but we laugh about yeah. it. But you know, It's not always roses, and then that's the industry, and, um, you know, but to get 194 including those is a really good result for us. So, uh, you know, we're keeping it pretty close to our chest. We haven't released them yet, but the results, we have a number of breeders that have taken what we've already bred, Um, you know, their long-term clients, they're happy to jump on board without seeing the figures even, because they trust our integrity and they trust what we're doing and they, they want to be part of that that trip. So they're getting in early and um, yeah, that's all good. So we're hoping to release the first of these Highlander plus Rams in February next year as Hoggetts. Um, There's a little bit of debate going around whether we should hang on to them a bit longer and go as tutus and get a few more wool traits and a little bit more where we a little bit more of an idea of the results as we pull that micron down and make sure we keep the other traits in the right spots
1: you could even split it 50 50. Um, and then,
2: well, well the Highlander is, is a little bit different. Um, it's not different. It's more of a traditional sheep in the sense that it's designed as a replacement for a replacement system. And in, in the Australian prime lamb industry, there's two sort of system. There's those that do the replacement system and there's those that trade sheep and the trade sheep, is traditionally the people that buy and sell all the time and and they're just doing a first cross. Some of them are over Merino just to get some, put a terminal over some Merino when the wool price is down or, or breed a first cross you and then put a terminal over it and, you know, um, send it for for slaughter. So that's sort of a a trading situation. It's because you're not going to produce or breed a second cross you, if you, if you understand. So that's a, what we call a cash system. where chasing the market all the time where those that are really dedicated will do the replacement system, which, you know, you'll join 50% of your flock to a Highlander ram and the other 50% will go to a terminal. Um, the perfect situation is, you know, 17 day cycle with the, with the, um, Highlander ram. Um, and then you bring the terminal in to clean them up. And the beauty of that is lifting your conception rate, you're only keeping the use that join early for your replacements. So you're progressing forward at that stage, but you're also getting the bangs for using the terminal over the top as much as you can. So that's a traditional replacement system. And that's the one that is ideal for, uh, for the Australian conditions and gives you the best return out of the prime lamb industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Going for the long term. That's right. So for, for pro like what sort of data are you collecting for your livestock, your rams or your ewes?
2: Da- everything we do is based on data and, and, you know, we ASBVs. We used to be with SIL, but we're now just with ASBVs. There's a lot of traits we measure that we don't actually, that over and above what, um, Sheep Genetics Australia uses. Um, one of the, you got to be careful when you understand the traits that you don't breed, you use too big. That's a big problem across our industry. And what's driven that is the indexes because they put yep. so much emphasis on growth. Um, they've lost a few of the other traits and the sheep have all got too big. Well, we, we have a bigger emphasis on making sure we maintain that 65 kilo in the Highlander, but all the reproductive traits and the survival, the mother in the flight, you know, we measure the flight. All those sort of traits are traits are actually measured and recorded, and they're all part of our breeding objective and our decisions in going forward to make sure we end up with a, a highly fertile, highly productive ewe. You know, ultimately, and and some people are even trialing it now, where they're only joining for a 17-day cycle with the Highlander, and um, and uh, the idea there is you. you using that terminal over the back half if there's any they drop out and they get culled. Um, we've got clients this year on their hoggets that scanned 168 out of the hoggets first time um, and they cull anything that's not that's dry which is a normal process and they also draw cull anything that had a single. So they're just producing their production rate up and and at the same time, um, they're taking out all those sheep, all those ewes that are um, not joining in the first seventeen days. Yeah, but you know that we we know the genetics are there. The biggest thing holding back the industry here is is, is management and understanding management. Now that's not a criticism of farmers because they only know what they know, and it's a the industry's been very slow, in my opinion, to bring things on board. And you know the lifestyle. Um, making more money from sheep, um, MLA's program. Um, you know, all those programs over the years have been really good and they really brought people forward. Lifetime U has been fantastic, um, but there's still people in the industry that don't scan. And I just can't understand why you would never do that. So um,
1: what are the like, true benefits for anyone listening that doesn't scan? Why, well, why should they be scanning?
2: You reckon? Well, first of all, by scanning you know what's wet and dry early on and you can get them out. And the biggest issue is you can manage the feed requirements and the energy requirements for a sheep especially if they're having multiples. Uh, it, it helps your survival in a massive way because you can manage it and and group your flocks for lambing and all those sort of items to a point where they um, your risk are minim- minimized. So your lamb survival rate will go up for a start which is the biggest gain. Now Lifetime U and those programs, their biggest concentration, and even today, their biggest concentration is on lamb survival, not reproduction. We believe we've got lamb survival down, Pat, um, and, and we are big into production as well. Um, I must say, in the last couple of years, they've come a long way with the understanding of food requirements for multiples, triplets, and those leading operators don't just scan wet and dries. They scan for... Um, obviously wet and dries, they scan for twins, they scan for multiples over above twins, and they also scan for mid, lates and earlies. And what that does is allow you to work out when they're likely to be born and group them in such a ways and feed them in such a way. Um, We we feed our stock as if they're all gonna have multiples because we have a a large 67% of twins. And then there's some triplets and a few singles. And ultimately, the singles are getting culled out. So, because we know that, we can feed them appropriately and we get, you know, we're over 190% uh, weaning, which is uh, massive in the industry. And the survival's clearly right up there because of that. Um, You know, we had ewes this year that had triplets that were all over four kilos, and yet the ewes only 65 kilos at normal weight. Yeah. What's your
1: Uh, thoughts on, um, like, the health of twins, and then the health versus one that's just had a single. Do you think they're receiving the same benefits?
2: Well, obviously, if you get two lambs, you, yeah. you've got you've doubled your income. There's a few more costs than that. But yeah. um, it's, it's a, to do with the condition of the ewe in the first place, and, and where the industry's moving now is into um, energy efficiency of feed, And that's also a regenerative agricultural comment because the best way to reduce your energy intake or or the emissions and the methane and all that is to produce more lambs. Because if you've got a a smaller ewe or a smaller sheep, it will eat less, um, but it produces twice as much. That's got to be good for the environment as well because yep. the return on that energy is worth. so that the, the science is now heading down and we're starting to do trials. Murdoch university got one going at the moment where they're looking at uh, energy and um, requirements for, as a trait. Um, so we'll be able to measure um, return on pasture consumed and what that does for the sheep because, you know, that we know there's a massive variance in appetites for results and everything else. And, you know, large ewes, I think the easiest way to explain it is for every five kilos of U weight, they eat 8% more feed. So that can, that can, if you can imagine an 85 kilo to a uh, 70 kilo ewe, that's 16, uh, that's 24% more lamb, more use you could put on that area. And if you work that out as 24% of say the lamb and 150, 150% that's a lot more lambs returned off that that area of land. So we had an uptake of 23% on our property when we went from our crossbreds to the Highlanders because of that alone, just in the u weight yeah, right. and the consumption requirements of that u.
1: So, Dan, on your so, yeah, there's a lot of
2: traits involved.
1: Yeah, yeah sorry. Sorry, you go.
2: Oh, uh, so there's a lot of traits involved, and that that's probably one of the key points of the uh, Highlander. But the other major point of the Highlander is the uh, ability of it to rear and mother its lambs. Um, We measure flight, we weigh them at birth, out of the start of course. Um, So all that data goes through any time, if there is any deaths, which there obviously is some, um, everything's recorded and we go back as to why and when. Um, And the data's analyzed pretty well. Yeah, you know, we're going to a, the industry is going to very quickly go to what I would call machine learning, where a lot of these um, traits and that will be picked up with cameras and scales and all that, which traditionally has been done manually, and because it was such a big labour cost, it's never been through, and it's one of the reasons the industry's been held back. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of that, genetics are only 35% of a production system or an influence if you don't get the management right. So you can't express your best genetics if you haven't got the right feed, the right nutrition, the right environment, the right pastures, all those type of things. Now, those things are really improving um, at a reasonable rate now, but it's only the last couple of years that, you know, through these programs and lifetime use been fantastic um, making more from sheep program which is the mla program as well that's been fantastic and and uh if people go in and uh do those courses and they understand the management and uh they'll eventually get there so you know we we we, we support that and that's why it's pro because we're trying to encourage people to do that yep. we encourage farmers to use consultants um that way it's independent and the beauty of a consultant he's across you know 20 or 30 farms and uh and you can see what you're doing. You know, we're part of the Murdoch University triplet trials this year where they're trial on different amount of foo for different lambing groups to see what the optimum one is, um, all this sort of stuff. So it's important we all get behind the science. Um, breeding values is the way forward. Breeding values is what people should select their sheep on there's still the phenotype and the, and the issues that go with the structure of the sheep, but breeding values at the end of the day, will will resolve it.
1: Absolutely. So for like collecting the breeding values, how are you collecting this? Is this literal pen to paper or you introduced a bit of,
2: no, we, we have, um, we got scanners and uh, we got, you know, the, the automatic races and all that sort of stuff. We, uh, we actually run it through a company called StockBooks. Um, we have a uh, SRL 5000 with all the wands, um, two test wands, so everything's got an EID. Every time they come in the yards, they're weighed. Every time they're treated, they're documented. We've got a portable thing in the, that we can carry around out in the paddock that can scan an ear or whatever if we need to record something. That all goes in and ultimately it all goes up into sheep genetics. And um, all the breeding values and that are determined from that with the, with the history and everything of the of the sheep.
1: For the so EID, had, EID, do you think like farmers out there are probably in the middle, on the fence about going for them? Like up uh, in our Victoria, area?
2: Yeah, in Victoria, they're compulsory. Yeah. I think they should be compulsory everywhere. Um, I don't think a farmer can really take his flock forward, and there was a lot of doubters in Victoria and they complained about the cost and the government supported some of the cost, but um, the results of having that knowledge and being able to use it, and then you've got to buy the tools that operate it, um, is very, very good. Like there's some software not that far away where facial recognition is going to be on sheep. Um, So things are going to change again, but EID will be around for a long while. Because it's pretty basic. It's like everything. You'd think it would get cheaper with time, but you know we don't have it. There's not an animal on our farm that's not EID. We are in Victoria, so it has to be anyhow. Um, but you know we can't manage what we're doing without it. Data is the key. All our decisions are based on data and science. Um, there's obviously the you know you're going to cull something if the legs not right or the jaw's not right or whatever. You have the traditional phenotype classing system, um, but basically um, all the breeding values and everything is based on uh, the science that goes with all that. And there's a lot more goes on than what the average person sees behind that. You know, We, we do DNA, we're doing genomic testing, um, sex semen, so we can um, breed specifically for a client's requirements. Uh, we've got some big clients that we've been talking to that want particular traits and the biggest biggest issue we have is we know the rams and the prodigy, but we don't know that the use that those farmers run and yeah. the Highlanders haven't been around long enough. Like we're getting those results because they're pure Highlanders, but there's only two or three of our clients that have got pure Highlanders and those ones are getting outstanding results. We got a guy that weaned 287% um, yeah. last year. With his triplets so um but he's been with us for five or six years now and he's a really good manager um but you know it's a matter of education and 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 being able to express those genetics we know that the sheep are capable of it it's the things we can't control that cause a bit of an issue like the environment so you can put protection in you can do all those things Um, and then you've got to know how to feed them And, you know, feed them all year round. Like, it's important. Someone has triplets this year. It's important that she's back up to, you know, see 3.3, 3.5 condition score um, ready to join um, as soon as possible. You need to early wean. It helps out as well in solving that problem. There's a whole lot of science behind all those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, like, for the podcast, I'm looking at the traits that do make you money. And that was one of the headlines in the notes you sent me. Um, for a startup, that's vital for us to look at. We are looking to be profitable and making a good system.
2: Yeah, well, those traits in there, I've got some um, wool traits as well because it's a general bits and pieces. But, you know, those notes have come from um, our geneticists where we've gone through and looked at what we're doing and where, where we're actually going. The advantages of putting fat on a sheep, through a inherited system, not just blowing them up, is that they become more robust and their conception level goes up, and they can handle the variation conditions a lot more. So if you can have that doing, and that that's why you know those traits will make your money on on top of it. Obviously, there's litter size, there's um, rare ability, um, conception, which are traits that people don't normally see that are in behind the old. Um, number of lambs weaned, but they're actually broken that number of lambs weaned down to these other things. So we can influence the conception, we can influence the litter size, we can influence these things, which all come back to a a trait that'll make you money at the end of the day. I think going forward in the industry, we need to be very mindful of welfare traits. Um, The industry's taken a bit of a beating with animal liberation and all that. And you know, worm count is very important. Um, that's, a, that's a trait that will save you money if you've got resistance to worms. Um, there's a new trait come out now, Justin Marino's for foot rot. And it's an inheritable, that's a heritable trait. Um, so if you, could, if people that have foot rot can get, buy rams and prodigy that have a lesser value on that, that's a welfare trait and that saves you money. Um, yeah. So we've, we've, we've broken those traits down, as you can see, into, into categories. But, you know, there's things that save you money, which is the condition score. Um, you're not, you know, you're not running around and, and doing all that. That's a new trait. And at the moment, it's something that you have to manually measure. And what they traditionally do is they'll randomly select 20 out of a mob or whatever and condition score them and try to get that as an average. But with time and machine learning, we'll have cameras that'll pick that up. Yeah. and you are run them down the ropes and the cameras will be able to do it. You know, the wool's at the moment causing a few problems in that science because um, it's fine when they're off shears, but when they've got a bit of wool, you've got to have a correlation there somewhere to, to hide what you can't see. Um, you know, fat saves you money because um, if it's within the animal for a lot of reasons, for health reasons and all that. And then there's the the health issues that, you know, save your money, which have been around for years with dags, worm egg counts, um, breech wrinkle. Um, We're looking at one yesterday, which is where they have the interned eyelid often on the sheep and that's in about a 4% of most flocks. Um, You know, if you can reduce that down and get it back, it's a trait that saves your money. So, um, you you know, there's a lot of things going on in that gut. Even with EID and using automatic scales, we um, had an experience from a client um, that had a big worm problem and he was drenching all the time. And um, just to have the automatic drenching guns to the weight of the animals saved him $6,000 in drench one year because he didn't over drench and he didn't under drench. And, and in doing that, he um, also didn't knock around the resistance within his flock of the sheep because uh, the sheep resistance levels to the to the, uh, to the treatment um, didn't get displayed. It was all based on the weight of each individual animal. So there's a lot of things happens, And that's all relatively new in the last two or three years. So the industry is making inroads. And for that, it's very, very good. Yeah, very like bright. as long as you thing. don't
1: become complacent, um, just like with the drench, like you can waste a shitload of drench um, on a sheep if you think you missed one or double shot it or whatnot. But yeah, there's so many aspects that we can look at to improve our own operations, but like just looking through your production system, how, how has this changed? Like, I don't know how bad the drought was down your way.
2: Um, It wasn't that bad. Um, Feed and like our paddock sizes, we've we've got our paddock sizes down to five hectares in a lot of cases. Um, We basically have a form of rotational grazing. So we, and, and, and it's not expensive to do that. as what people think. Um, it's only hot wires. Yep. You know, you just run a couple of hot wires around and you can break up your lamb in paddocks. For triplets, wearing we're down to 40 to 80 in a five hectare paddock, um, twins and singles, a little bit more, but you can manage it and you can manage because of that rotational process. You can actually manage the worms. We haven't drenched, for three or four years or more now, and we only did it once. We had a problem one wet year um, because, you know, one of our biggest problems is with uh, sheep genetics, you've got to have a 400 egg to be able to submit a sample or we can't get, <laughs> it sort of goes away against the grain in a way that you want to give your give your sheep worms to get a reading for the uh, yes. breeding value. but because of your management and what you're doing, you're not getting them. So, so you chase your tail. So that, that I, personally, I just think that's a bit odd within the way the system works. Why would you want to, you know, increase your problem? Um, we basically just run a stud. We only have a small flock of commercials. So, you know, that's the way it works. We've got about oh, 4,000 stud used in, in, effectively at the moment. Yeah.
1: So how many were you running in like five hectares?
2: Well, it varies a little bit, and it depends yeah. on what the food is in there as well. But sometimes they're only in there for a week. Sometimes they're a yeah. bit longer. Most of our crops and pastures are not mono pastures. We 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 put a lot of annuals in, um, and they're a mix of um, depending on what they're for. But they're a mix of six or seven different seeds. Yeah. We do um, you know, over summer. We we as soon as we finish harvest, we a number of paddocks will go and put a a green crop in to lock the nitrogen in and all that. Um, cover crops is what the term is and eat them out and do bits and pieces as well. So we do a bit of all that sort of stuff. We're on the leading edge of a lot of that sort of science and it does pay dividends from our end. Um, it's all about, you know, keeping the pastures and the, the soil and all that up to speed. Uh, we, we put in some brass years. We, we have, plantain we have a whole lot of different things for different points and you know our our, our pasture mixes we have three mixes we use they they change slightly depending on what's going on but we had a you know a late mid and early depending on what we want for and what time we put it in and that'll be spread over the growing season so you know, obviously your late ones, where you're going to be weaning lambs on at the end and the early ones is where you're going to have the ewes on. So we actually have three different mixes and, yeah, you know, the juice drop the hot wires, we run around with the air seeder and uh, away it goes, basically. And some of those paddocks we don't go back to for three or four years depending on the seed mixes and what we So, you know, yeah. we, we, we do a lot of that sort of stuff. So it's, it's good and, um, in, in fairness, it's a credit to Josh Wilder, my manager down there, because he's the one that manages all that
1: yeah, that's excellent. Um, well, we could talk for sheep forever, but I might mm-hmm. have to wrap it up there with a few more questions. Who mm-hmm. who would you like to hear on the Farms Advice podcast and why you could keep it within the sheep industry to get some more sheep blokes on?
2: Well, we're, we're actually a mixed farmer as well. We do a lot of cropping. We have um, GPS-controlled auto steer tractors. We do in row cropping. We've done trials for CRC grain The Grain Research Board, we've done trials for southern farming as well. We have cut the cropping area back from about 1,500 hectares at one stage um, back to about 800 this year just because of the growth in the sheep stud. So we do do a lot of that. Um, We, you know, we grow lupins, we grow canola, we grow oats, wheat, barley, um, all those sort of things. So so we do do a a bit of cropping and... uh, all that sort of stuff. We have our own plant and equipment, which a lot of people in the Western District don't for all that sort of stuff. So we do do that. And then we have our piggery, which uh, we supply away pork um, about 160 head a week.
1: Yeah, right. So you also got the pork going. You're pretty busy then.
2: Yeah, there's a... a, We've got a great team down there. Um, There's a couple of casuals that help out and three or four, one, two, three, five, I think there's... Four or five permanents um, between the piggery and the other things. They're, they're a great team. Is it a paddock so really... to plate
1: pork system, or you're selling into the market?
2: No, we sell into the Otway pork system, pork brand, and um, that's a basically a fresh meat brand. They do a little bit of export to Singapore, but most of it goes into restaurants and around. Um, you know, I know it's in most of the major supermarkets and everything else. Um, they're bred free range. And then they're finished and uh, they go through at about oh, 110 kilos, slaughter weight. Yeah.
1: Excellent. So for the farms advice podcast, who would you like to hear from on here and why?
2: Well, look, we, I'm interested in, in, in all aspects of farming in a lot of ways because yep. what people don't understand is there's a crossover. And yeah. in, in Australia, most farmers are diverse because of the climate and the directions where if you go to, other countries, you know, parts of the US, parts of the New, or even New Zealand, you're either a sheep farmer, a dairy farmer or a beef farmer. Where here, you can be all three of those in one and do a bit of cropping as well. Yeah. So I think most, most um, podcasts and most data within the industry, there is a real cross-relationship between understanding the science of food, the science of the soil and what goes on.
1: Absolutely. So do you have like someone in mind within that area that I could get in touch with?
2: Um, We use a number of consultants for different things. Um, You know, uh, AgriWeb with their grow and through Bayer have a whole lot of courses. Um, Next generation is our, next gen is our sheep consultant, Mark Ferguson. He's based in New Zealand. He's an Aussie that's been over there and basically New Zealand pinched him to help run and navigate uh what they call um new zealand merino which is like our walmart in australia and he's probably the most respected geneticist in australia and new zealand for especially merinos and whatever and um so he works on both continents so he's very strong in that regard um we have a consultant that also helps us with our pastures we've done a number of trials with two or three seed companies over the years um to develop and that we did the original trials for the elms feed system and that's how we actually got introduced for that contact the or i should say risington breed lines out of new zealand got in contact with them looking to come to australia and they pointed us out and headed them in our direction because of our our mindset of wanting to uh Add back to the industry. Um, We operate sometimes, I think, too close to the bleeding edge, but um, we're we're at the pointy end of taking the industry forward, and we're very proud of that fact. We run a lot of in-house trials within ourselves. We've got a um, automated feedlot that we uh, run growth trials and all that for our own data, um, which all goes back into our sheep. um, we're quite comfortable where we are and uh, we're making great inroads in you know, productivity of um, kilos per hectare and a lot of the other key traits. And there's a little bit of inter- international interest for our genetics as well.
1: Absolutely, it's superb to hear what you're working on and you're not just relying on what you know, you're always trialing and experimenting. Um, that's excellent. So thanks for coming on the podcast for today. For anyone wanting that's to good. reach out to yourself or your team, um, how can they do that?
2: Well, first of all, if you're interested in any of the ramps and that you can just hop on the ProBreed website and you can contact us that way. You can do likewise on the moon on website, but we do have a uh, social channels in uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, which are all run by the ProBreed handle. And, uh, we are posting every three or four days. Um, we're telling everyone what we're doing. Um, we're keeping the industry informed when we can. So um, we're quite open to sharing our knowledge and uh, helping other farmers. And anyone wants any advice on sheep breeding, our team uh, that run the pro-breed side of thing, um, Jamie Ramich and um, Brad Swassa are both long-term sheep people. Um, They have a wide range of industry knowledge, not only with our sheep, but with others and sheep systems. Um, We're quite happy to help people and step them through the process. You know, people change in genetics. Genetics are a 15-year gain. Like the decision you make today with a RAM can influence you for the next 15 years. Most people don't put enough time into understanding that that's what the case is. Um, and what what they don't understand sometimes, they, if you buy a terminal RAM, you see the results straight away. If you buy a maternal RAM, which is basically improving the productivity of your engine, which is your U-flock, you're not going to get any results till you get a result out of the prodigy. So that's a two-year before you see the results, two-year window. So you've got to take the long-term view and you need to understand the breeding values. You need to understand where your flock is because you can't pair the breeding values if you don't have a good understanding of your flock. We've had a few issues with clients not, Knowing enough about their flock, or making assumptions so where they buy a ram that's highly indexed because of birth weight, and yet their lambs, their youth throw big lambs, and they wonder why they have birthing problems. Yeah, um, simple things like that, and uh, you know, people are becoming more aware of those sort of things now. Where traditionally they were just buying these rams and sticking them over, um, what they're doing, and seeing what the results were, but you know, that's why we advocate using consultants. We're happy to give that same advice, but we like it coming independently because um, that way they, you know, it's not us giving them a sales process. We, we, we try not to sell them sheep. We want people to want to buy our sheep. We just put the facts out there, what they can do. And um, if you want them, you want them. If you don't, you don't. Um, we know what results you should get. Um, you need to be they're not the same. Not cheap for everybody because if you can't manage them, they're like buying a Ferrari. If you put diesel in them, they break. Yep. You have to have to run them and understand the feed requirements understand What they do, if you do that, they'll make you a lot of money. because the productivity and the number of lambs. Out there. You know, they're designed to give you a you know a 24 kilo carcass prime lamb. That's that's yep. what they're designed to do, um, and lots of them
1: absolutely well thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today um, hopefully you get to catch up in a year or so see how you're going with it all That'd be perfect anytime I'd
2: love to share it with the industry and, and, and uh, you know anyone else that's uh, interested in this but we are at the pointy end and um, I think the welfare traits are going to be a thing of the future that are going to make a big difference to our industry so um, I think in the next few years with breeding values and that you'll see a higher emphasis on welfare traits and survivability traits and that that are coming through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Exciting space to look forward to, of course.
2: Thanks thanks a lot, Jack. It's been very good. And uh, any time you can give us a ring.
1: Absolutely, thanks, Martin. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Farm Survive 17 podcast and for Martin for giving up his time to speak with us. We want you to be able to learn from others in the industry and also through cross sectors there's always some element you'll be able to use for yourself to improve your own enterprise if you've got an element from the show let us know comment on our website or let us know through social media you can catch all the show notes at farmsadvice.com.au and follow us on social media for your daily motivation to grow your agribusiness tune in next time cheers